Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the Weaker Vessel. Hello, everyone. If you want to get to know more about us, you can find the Reformed Rebel Network on social media. You can find us in iTunes or your favorite podcast catcher. You can also find us on YouTube. And if you'd like to financially support us and get extra content, you can become a patron, so go to patreon.com slash reformedrebel. We also have tons of articles and resources on our website. It's an old URL, so go to rebelalliancemedia.com, and you can find all of those resources there. If we sound a little weird tonight, it's because our studio is under construction. <laughs> And if you've been listening to us for any length of time, you know that what we're talking about is our closet. Mm-hmm. And there's just some uh, there's some construction needing to take place in there. Indeed. Indeed. And because of our current times, <laughs> the, uh, the maintenance here where we live is not quite as speedy as we are accustomed to. Basically, we have no maintenance right now. Yeah, that's pretty much how it's going. So... So our closet is basically unusable, so this is what you get tonight, y'all. Yeah, hopefully it still sounds crisp and wonderful and pleasing to your ears. And if not, y'all, these are weird times. The COVID COVID has affected everything. It's like (laughs) sin. It permeates everything. Totally depraved. (laughs) It's, It's covered it all. Nothing else is normal, so... Why should our podcast be normal? I don't think our podcast is ever normal, so... <laughs> That's a new kind of weird. Speaking of new kind of weird, we had a lot of fun talking with Pootie last week. That was a lot of fun. You guys, you can obviously go download the episodes if you want to. Last week, we released uh, COVID Talks Part 1 and Part 2 with Awakening Reformation and Rebel Podcast, but if you go to Patreon and become a patron, even at the lowest level, which is $2 a month, I believe. And then you could cancel. You could pay $2. For sure. And then cancel. I wouldn't blame you. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> but if you do that, um, you can get the video of it. So we recorded the episode in video, and so you can... Uh, I mean, if you want to see our faces, let's be honest. Like, can we be real here? Are any of our faces really that great right? and like you- worth $2 seeing? Visually, visually seeing. I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know. We just threw it up there for y'all. And if you want to <laughs> throw us some two bucks, you get a video of it. It's two parts. Two pence. That's right. So you can go do that. But it was a lot of fun talking with the poots. He's it was a, fun. He's a good time. You know that? He is a good time. He's good people. <laughs> I like that guy. Oh, man. So we hope y'all are okay out there. Like We uh, are going to talk some more about the COVID tonight. And we like don't want to be depressing, but we do think like this is just something that is uh, so prominent in our culture right now. It's pretty much taking over all conversations. (laughs) Well, and it will be for the next five weeks at least, right? Right till till the uh, guidelines are over, till the president's measures are over. Yeah, and so we just feel like there aren't a ton of really great 
resources out there that we have found thus far. Like there are pockets. There's like the Joe Boot. There are the Jeff Durbins. Um, there are like the cross politic guys who talked mm-hmm. about it. And there is good content. But like when I go on to even the great Bible teachers that I love and respect, I have seen some really disappointing content from them as regards yeah. to this pandemic. And so we were talking about how theological this is right and that's probably what's missing from even like the cross politic like they'll they'll get a little bit into it but there's some stuff that you and i have been talking about that we wanted to right well and it's because they um cater more towards the political side and like the constitutional aspects of it Mm -hmm. but we would like to discuss primarily the theological aspects of this and one thing that we keep seeing just to jump right in here is that the Christian response to church being canceled. And I know we kind of talked about this last week a little bit once again, but there have been some developments here in New York City. Our godless mayor, de Blasio. Yep. Bill de Blasio. Lord have mercy on him. God, save our soul. He is just a wicked, wicked man. And he uh, basically put out a declaration of war against all of the churches synagogues temples whatever in new york city and he literally said like we're coming for you yeah if you try and meet we are gonna come for you we're gonna shut you down and you will face prison time you will be fined Mm -hmm. and we will permanently shut your churches down yeah not temporarily no permanently. permanently and he was like very specific and this is persecution church (laughs) like i keep seeing christians saying no this isn't like an attack on the church because everyone is told the same guidelines everyone's being having the same guidelines enforced on them but it's not true can we just say that right off the bat and and this is where i want to go to kind of like set the table for us Mm -hmm. is that even if you want to believe that the government is being even-handed with it in its dealings, which I don't think you even can say that, but even if you do, and you're saying they're just looking out for the betterment of their constituents, what you have to say is then they're failing to do so because they are allowing places like Planned Parenthood to stay open yep. while then turning around in the same breath saying, but we're coming for you churches and we will shut you down permanently. Mm-hmm. And here's the funny thing is that churches aren't using PPE. Churches have gone to very extensive measures to make sure that if you are sick, you do stay home. And they have they have gone to pretty lengthy extent to try and protect their congregation. Right. And Planned Parenthood is literally killing everything that walks through that door. And so you have to think the government, even if they are trying to be even handed, aren't. And the the Planned Parenthoods and the other clinics that do abortions that murder babies here in New York City aren't even held to the same standard as a typical urgent care or any sort of medical clinic either. Right. And so already they're getting a pass. Right. And they're getting they're able to scoop by uh, legislation or getting able to scoop by regulation and city policy and all that sort of stuff while churches they are being singled out yeah the first sight of oh shoot they might meet still right i better go out and remind them who's truly in charge and the the fact that he even can think that he can say that that's what's terrifying to me is that Mm -hmm. he can eat is that de blasio even thinks i i need to go out and say this and remind them and i need to threaten and the fact that he's not causing riots because Mm -hmm. of his words is terrifying to me because of that 
if any leader would have said that, even probably a hundred years ago, but certainly even, further even back, even thirty years ago, possibly. I think it probably wouldn't have flown. But here's the thing: a lot of Christians want to say, "Well, we just—it's because they're wicked rulers, and it's you know clearly there's a blind spot there." But like, they're not actually intentionally and they and they just want to like believe this like weird idea of like they're just wicked rulers and so they don't see their inconsistencies which is true to some extent right yeah i mean they're blind for sure right, right? okay but at the very in the very same breath as christians we need to say you are right they are wicked rulers and because they're wicked rulers we know that they're being influenced by the greater powers that be right like we are in a this spiritual battle mm-hmm. and so to say that this isn't um, a spiritual battle as well as a physical one is also very dangerous. And I think this is where we're kind of getting at in tonight. And maybe we can start off here. Let's park it here at first and talk about like two kingdom theology. Mm-hmm. So I think this does kind of tip us off in that direction where Christians like can compartmentalize the physical reality versus the spiritual reality, the immediate versus the eternal. And like we have all these like little compartments mm-hmm. where we like to place like certain things instead of realizing that it all belongs to Jesus. Right. And because the two kingdom theology adherents will say that the Christian doesn't necessarily have a responsibility to speak into the public square. Mm-hmm. Then I that you know when the governor does this, the mayor does this, and and we have to not meet or whatever. Will say la vie, right? That's that that's just the way this wicked world goes. And man, don't I you know hope and uh, long for the coming of Jesus, right? And and right? it's in it, the same breath dispensational because the dispensationalist yeah. will say, well, Jesus loses and he has to come back because he's going to lose this game. So this might just be one step closer towards, you know, Jesus coming back. And like, mm-hmm. it's just this weird mix of like really bad theology. Yeah. And we know that the heart of the king is in God's hand, right? Yeah. We do know that God directs and stirs this leader's heart and will to accomplish his purposes, right? right? We even know that Babylon came and judged Israel. He, God took a wicked nation yep. to judge Israel and lead them off into exile. And it really should come as no surprise that a city like New York City has come under judgment, period, but also that the Christians should come under some sort of discipline as well because when Governor Cuomo signed the bill... Mm-hmm. That allowed babies to be murdered all the way up to nine months, all the way up to term. And he had his, you know, group around him applauding him. Applauding death. Applauding death and praising death and appraising uh, uh, this. Well, Tim Keller said nothing. But interestingly, the only Christian, the only, well, I shouldn't say the only one. There are many faithful pastors in New York, or at least a good handful of them. But the one pastor who did stand out and publicly, speak up, like social media and publicly that we saw, yeah, was Carl Lentz. And so Carl Lentz was one of the first people yeah. to get coronavirus. From Hills, oh, was he? Yes, from Hillsong. Yeah, and and I would say maybe there's some other things that he'd be disciplined for. In yeah, all well, of this right for sure. But I just thought that was kind of funny because even if you're sitting here trying yeah. to like chastise one pastor for being silent on abortion, then the other pastor who is leading a a godless church service or at least a highly dysfunctional church service. Right. God bless Carl Lentz in many ways. He tries, mm-hmm. but golly, he misses the mark in so many ways. And so you just think like, well. 
God's disciplining all of us for a slew of sins. It's not even just one sin, you know? And C.S. Lewis put it so well when he said that God uses suffering as his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Mm -hmm. He uses this for every different group of people, every different type of people to wake you up. Well, and isn't it funny how like the city that's literally probably most famous for its abortion laws yeah there are other states who have terrible abortion laws but like Mm -hmm. new york city is very applauded and heralded for their you know uh progressive abortion laws right and god's like oh you like death okay here's a bunch of death yeah exactly like i mean this just is this logically follows Mm -hmm. and so but once again going back to our topic tonight in particular how theology really does influence how you pick through and think through cultural happenings, cultural uh, norms. And in particular, I do think that two kingdom theology (laughs) has done a great disservice. And, And because the Christian church is so divided theologically, Mm hmm. There's so many denominations, and then even within denominations, different doctrinal uh, <clears throat> distinctions and stuff. I think that's why Christians can't even all agree on what to do in the situation. Right, because theology exactly. does influence how you go forward. And if you are starting from a different point than what I am theologically, well, we're going to be going in different directions. And I think this is also um, like a Tower of Babel situation where like God has given us a tasking and we are going to try and do it our own way. And so he's going to confuse us. Yeah. God's like given us this task to like build his kingdom and we can't even agree on how to do it. And so he's like, all right, when you do go forward, because Christ, Christ's kingdom will go forward, like his church will prevail. Mm-hmm. We will prevail in the end. Like We are optimistic. But. In the meantime, there might be a bit of confusion here. So do you think Christians are just severely lacking right now in really understanding what they're giving up? Yeah. By going along with this? Because we see, like you said, you've seen so many that are like, what's the big deal? Like what he's just he's just suggesting that we stay home to, you know, stop the spread. We you know, we've heard all the terms. Mm-hmm. But what are they really giving up in all that, though? So this is where I think it's going to be different for our Americans versus Canadians, because um, true, <laughs> especially like Southern Americans, Midwestern Americans, like we are born and bred constitutionalist. And so we know what our constitutional rights are and how dare you infringe upon them. Mm-hmm. Like our daddies fought for them, our granddaddies fought for them. Like our, we know what our family has given up to give us these rights. It, it like the blood runs deep, you know right. what I mean? Yeah. And so to some extent there is this very patriotic thing. And this is just Christian stuff set aside, like just very much our rights as an American. We I think feel as though we are being disrespected as an American. Right. Um, and that's true. And this is where the cross politic guys have done a great job in just like helping us understand constitutionally, right. politically, what this means for us. And then you have to add in the the Christian aspect, right? Because there really is no, like, divide if you really stop and think about it. Like, everything belongs to God, even the political mm-hmm. uh, sphere. And so that's Grant's work phone. Y'all, he's got a very important job right now. He's guarding our gate from the COVID. Hold on, guys. Hold on. Hello? All right. Okay, so Grant's done with his very important phone call. 
like I was saying, Grant has been put in charge of the front gate security. He is keeping the COVID out of Fort Hamilton. Well, it's... Yeah. No, don't be modest. I'm not, I'm not holding are. a gun to anybody <laughs> or keeping them out. I'm not doing that. We are me and 45 other people that I'm in charge of their schedule. Yeah, you don't need to get into all the details. It's intense. It's fine. They're doing it like almost every army base now. Yeah, well, there you go. But anyway. Grant is very important. So getting back to the theological <laughs> aspects of it. I don't even know what we were talking about. I think we were talking about that that American spirit being offended because of our rights being trampled on and not being held to because we have we have built this country upon the constitution mm-hmm. which is based on a lot of biblical principles which are inalienable rights supposedly right. which turns out actually aren't that inalienable. Well, you They're have, actually very alienable. <laughs> that's how you know it's built off of Christianity is because they were called inalienable rights. Right. Right. Because if it was just built off that document alone, you couldn't call them that. Mm-hmm. But we have always deferred back to this Constitution, right? And the, the Bill of Rights, we've always deferred back to that for everything that we do in this country. All the new laws and new amendments and it always goes back to, well, is that constitutional? Mm-hmm. Well, and I think it's important to note, too, that like Pudi said last week, the Constitution isn't scripture, but the Constitution is based upon scripture. And so that is helpful because we know what our rights are based on biblical truth Well, and, that and would, based on Imago Dei. Right. And that's why we would hold our governors and leaders to it, because we know that some of those principles are just godly. Right. A free man is a godly thing. Right. right and yeah. so that's that's where the founders got that idea from, is that God wants men to be free. That's why he sent his son. Mm-hmm. He wants them to be free from their sin. Right. And God limited the authority of the civil magistrate and even the authority of church leadership. He limits right. all of those. He doesn't give them total authority. It's not totalitarian. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say you tell them when to rise and when to go to bed and what job you have. And you know what I mean? And so even in America, I have gotten some pushback on my social media saying that scripture does say and command Christians to obey their governing authorities. And like you said, God is the one who chooses who our kings are. So this is very true. Right. However... There are exceptions, and this is why having biblical theology is important, because you don't just take one little snippet of scripture and then base your life off of that one verse. You have to plug it into everything else that God has given to us. And so we don't obey tyrannical government. We don't obey governments that are godless and that are telling us to do something godless. Right. So everyone refers back to Romans 13, which says that, God has placed governing authorities over us and we need to obey them and that they are able to wield the sword to punish evil and Mm -hmm. to reward good. And so, you know, on and on. So that's how we conduct ourselves as Christians. And so you hear it even right now. Well, they've put this order out. I'm supposed to obey the governing authorities. And so I obey. The problem with that is you, 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 you know, this, that text (laughs) Because as soon as I say this, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, you know this. That text is prescriptive. It tells you what the civil authority, the civil magistrate is supposed to do. It prescribes what they're supposed to do. They are supposed to punish evil 
and reward good. Right. It doesn't describe what we're supposed to do, which is just obey anything they ever do. Right. It presupposes the government will punish evil and reward good. But you can look at our government and say it's actually not punishing evil. Like our uh, justice system is totally jacked up. We allow murder of babies. Like there's nothing that would say, I mean, and this isn't the worst uh, criminal justice system in the world. I'm just saying it certainly is, this is not actually happening and it's, most perfect form and also rewarding good like the good thing would be actually helping the church actually Mm -hmm. creating a better justice system and instead we're actually doing the opposite like we're not actually rewarding good we are uh, heralding the homosexual agenda as primary good Mm -hmm. and the whole thing is messed up so we're, we're not even starting from that point right and so would would any of us say what a sinful person Corey Ten Boom was to lie to the Nazis and hide Jews. Of course not. Of course not. Are we sinful people for smuggling Bibles into China because Christians can't get them anywhere? Yeah, of course not. And the same with Harriet Tubman and the Underground Railroad and Wilbur Wilberforce petitioning the king Mm -hmm. and like there's tons of times when christians enter in and say this is a godless act right and we're going to stand against this tyranny even if it means being sneaky about it and so when the civil magistrate is doing something or requiring something that is ungodly or unrighteous a christian has the responsibility and the duty to disobey yeah that would be the right thing for us to do. And we say this even in like any in any sphere, because we've talked about this before, the different spheres of responsibility. And so there's like a governmental sphere, the church sphere, and then the family right. sphere. Yep. There are all these different spheres. And God has given each one of these spheres individual responsibilities mm-hmm. and jurisdictions. Right. And so let's just take it at the very bottom level sphere, which is the family. Mm -hmm. God has clearly placed the husband as head over the wife. But if the husband acts ungodly, it is not only the wife's ability to disobey her husband, to not submit her husband. It is her responsibility to disobey her husband. Right. It's her duty to not sin with her husband. (laughs) And so the same is true in every other sphere. Mm-hmm. When the top official, when the top dog is doing something wrong, then everyone who is underneath him ought to rebel and not submit to that type of leadership. Right. So I just read for the kids tonight the story of Athanasius. They're reading, I'm reading through a church history book called Trial and Triumph. You can find it on kennepress.com. It's really good. And when Arius, the heretic, wanted back in the church after the Council of Nicaea, after his teachings were condemned, he went crying back to Emperor Constantine and he wanted back in the church. And he was from Alexandria, where where Athanasius is from. And Constantine did want him to just go. I think he just wanted him to be quiet and go away. Yeah, get out of his hair. And he wrote a letter to Athanasius and said, um, you need to accept everyone who wants to be a member of your church. That's pretty much what he wrote him. It wasn't specific about because he probably knew, right? Mm-hmm. And Arius showed up and he's he like, hey, here's this letter. You're supposed to accept everyone. Here I am. And Athanasius is like, no, you're not. No, it's not happening. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're not our people. Now, but then Athanasius was banished and <laughs> lost his job for the first of five times. But like Athanasius is freaking awesome. And he's just like, no, this is ungodly. 
And Constantine did a lot of great godly things and was an incredible positive influence Mm -hmm. in history and for the church and for the Roman Empire. But at that point in time and that letter and that command to Athanasius, Athanasius was perfectly righteous and good and right to say, no, I will not. He will not come to the Lord's table here, right? He is not a member here. Yeah. He doesn't even believe Jesus is God. (laughs) So. Um, so that, that's the kind of stuff though, that we need to just be settled on. And so this is kind of where we've settled. Um, it is not the government's sphere to say that the church can't do something. Exactly. Because the government could just as easily say, you can't refuse to hire a homosexual pastor because you're discriminating. See, that's. And this is the slippery slope. Exactly. That's what they're, that's what they're letting in the back door. By closing the front door when the government tells them to. Exactly, yeah. So we have to be so careful. Um, but because we've set that precedent, we're about to allow for the government to come in and start mm-hmm. rearranging the furniture, so to speak. And I think we're really foolish if we don't see that being played right now. And it may not even be so much, like I was saying, that the government is thinking in their minds, hey, we're going to do these things, it might just be like a demonic attack, right? This could Mm -hmm. just be like darkness at work, and they're going to use means, which is a government. Because we do have a real enemy. Yeah. And we're not saying the enemy is government necessarily, because a godly government is a blessing. Yeah. What we're saying is a godless government is tyranny, and that's what we're experiencing right now. And something to resist. Exactly. Not just obey and go along with. Exactly. I think Calvin is the one, so don't completely quote me here, but I'm pretty sure Calvin is the one that said when God wants to judge a nation, he gives it wicked rulers. Right. And so it is those rulers, though, in a biblical church, you have a Presbyterian church government where you have men who are elders making decisions for the church, Mm -hmm. and they ought to be the ones who say, we're going to close our doors for two weeks or three weeks or Mm -hmm. whatever, because... You know, we had three cases of COVID in our church pews last Sunday. A lot of elderly, maybe. Like, whatever. That is a wisdom issue. You get to make that determination for your church if you are a church elder. And and this is where I would say, even if you disagree with the decision that your elders make for your church, you do need to s- submit to them, even if you don't like their agreement, because you have covenanted to them to right. submit to them, even if you don't agree with their decision. That doesn't mean you can't question their decision or say, can you please explain this to me? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm struggling to understand this, but I'm saying you have covenanted if you are a member of the church to obey your church elders in these types of decisions so you need to submit to them that is the right sphere for that type of submission it is not the government's job or right to come into the church push the elders aside and say let me tell you what to do here that's a that's an overreach of spheres yeah and you know it actually reminds because sorry to jump around there but the mayor of new york de blasio is is not just talking about Christian churches. In the article that I read, at least, he did mention synagogues. And I don't know if he mentioned mosques or not. I don't think he did. There were so many anti-Semitic comments, though. Holy cow. I don't know if you people know this, totally side note, but Brooklyn is full of tons of Jewish people. A lot. And the Jewish people, to their praise, 
largely don't care what the government tells them to do, <laughs> right. which I just think is great in this situation. Yeah. Like, my heart aches for them in so many ways, but, like, in this particular situation, I'm so proud of them because they've continued to meet for the most part. Like, I mm -hmm. know certain rabbis have yeah, issued just certain statements and stuff like that, but... And the same with... um like government requirements on vaccinations and whatever like they're the, like nah. the jewish population does what they want and yeah. they just find ways around what the government tells them to do which i just right. think like the christians should take note yeah we need to get shrewd we need to take a shrewdness 101 from them right that'd be good like they don't even have the holy spirit and like they're more <laughs> bold than we are this is sad well true true um, but all but all I was gonna say is it reminds me of the more staunch, hardlined communist, like Iron Curtain, um, Soviet Union, even even China before Christianity started to majorly blow up, where any kind of theism, any kind of belief in God was really shunned yeah. and was really cut out of the culture. And and that was really you know Russia for the most part I, I don't I don't really even know what Russian Orthodoxy was there for because everything else was um, was such an atheistic it was you know it was Marxism and this communist utopia mm -hmm. um, ideal that they were driving towards but that's what it reminds me of is this leader thinking well yeah I can shut down the religions like who thinks like that mm -hmm. oh yeah communists think like that communists are the ones that are thinking i can shut down religion north korea thinks like this china thinks like so this. question you keep talking about like different forms of government and we i know we keep talking about constitutions and things like that do you think because the church has been told like we said earlier politics are uh for the godless and the christian should focus more on the church do you think because there has been that like very sharp divide like we don't have to worry about the government God's not concerned with the government. God's concerned with the individual, with the heart. All these like weird, kitschy Christian sayings yep. that we don't even know things. Like we like we're just very ignorant to how government works and to what our constitution actually says. I mean, and, and then to even make a another layer to this disastrous mess. <laughs> basically, we don't even know our constitution and like politics but we also don't know the bible yeah so like we're just basically an ignorant people and so when a people is ignorant we become like sheep and we just go where we're told yeah dumb dumb sheep that just follow follow the crowd yeah and and that's true of like that's why christians fall prey to false teachers and scripture even talks about like weak women falling prey to every wayward teaching and like i mean this is like a biblical concept. If you're ignorant, if you are weak, then you're going to be led astray easier. So if the church is being led astray, maybe we need to like stop and ask God, like show me where the wicked way is in me so mm -hmm. that I, I'm not weak anymore. We have, we have sold this truncated Christianity, which is just like, accept Jesus in your heart. It's not a religion. It's just a relationship. Right. It's just you and God. Well, when the public gathering worship of God is canceled, it means nothing to you. And it's completely irrelevant because it's just me and God anyway. Right. Your relationship is personal. It's not corporate. It's not connected to anything. And this is another theological topic that I wanted to talk about. 
that the church is very ignorant about, which is covenant theology. Like covenant theology um, speaks into the situation too, in the sense of we are not individuals who are saved. We are a body who is saved. Like right. we are connected to a like a body. We are the bride of Christ. We're an olive tree with millions of branches. Right. And like the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is the same God that we serve. Yep. And so you can't just detach yourself from that and say, I can worship at home or I can worship with my family or I can worship over Zoom or Skype or whatever. Like that isn't the same. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not, you're not actually gathered. <laughs> right. I mean, in, in like, that. in the most like truest sense, like, do I think that like there is grace in situations like this? Certainly. Certainly there have been times in history where churches have had to like miss a meeting because their church was bombed by, you know, mm-hmm. the Nazis or whatever. There, there are situations like this in history. But the difference is they didn't praise it. And they didn't just accept it. They were very quick to rebuild. Mm -hmm. They were quick to meet in houses. Right. And and this is true even during not just like outside warfare, but also during um, like times in history where we have had infectious diseases prevail in society. We can see how even during the bubonic plague that it was Christians who would step in. They were not fearful for their life. Right. They uh, would practice good sense. They actually used biblical wisdom, wash your hands, biblical law, yeah. to avoid certain things and were very uh, careful and cautious. But they were one of the only ones who would actually step in and bury bodies because the imago day of a you know this dead right, corpse right. laying in the road mattered to them. They didn't just let it sit there in the filth. They stepped in where there was great fear and the church should be doing this. How much more so in worship? Like, if the church at one point was so concerned with the Imago Dei of a dead person laying in the street, they had to bury it. Mm-hmm. And it might cost them their Because, like, what, 50-50 shot during that time? Pretty much, yeah. If you caught it, you were probably going to die? Yeah, maybe just under 50%, but it's close. The odds were very high yep. you were going to die if you caught this. Yeah. And the Imago Dei mattered so much to the church, they were willing to risk their life. We're not even willing to risk, you know, uh, 0.01% or whatever it is chance of getting sick. Even if you do get sick, it probably isn't going to kill you, whatever. But there's such a low chance of even catching this. You're not even willing to risk that to just go to church. Yeah. Like, no one's asking you to even bury a dead body. Like, you just got to show up and sing a song. Well, we talked about the difference. The difference here is that it's the civil magistrate coming down on us saying, well, you idiots are still going to meet. So I have to force you not to. And basically taking 100% responsibility of what I do mm-hmm. and then making decisions for me. I'm not I'm not a person with my own will and freedom and, you know, conscience and my own wisdom and my own discernment anymore, which it should be flipped where it's like I should be able to make my own wise uh, decisions whether I go or not. And Am perhaps I? based on government-informed uh, statistics and things like that, I'm not saying the government shouldn't give you statistics or shouldn't advise you of certain things, right? No, yeah. We're, we're talking about these, like, shelter-in-place orders. Yes. Like, if you're outside your home, we're going to pull you over and ask you where you're going. And fine you $250. Right. If you're not going to get medicine and, and only food to survive or something, it's yeah. crazy. But. I really like what Apology of Church has done. Uh, Jeff Durbin, James White, and the other elders at Apology of Church in Arizona came out with a statement 
of how they're going to conduct their local gatherings. You can find it online. And they implemented all these different measures of wash your hands and distance. And if you're elderly, um, you know, please stay home. If you, you know, if you're vulnerable, if you're sick at all, please stay home. And the elders actually told their people, if you're sick, stay home and or whatever. Like, yeah, several if immunocompromised, they had people in their church. And he said this. He's like, we've asked those people to stay home during this time. Yeah. But we're not going to just stop church. Yeah. We are going to continue to gather. And we as an eldership for the church are going to pray and then use God's law and wisdom and discernment to make decisions for the body here. Mm hmm. And I think what they've done is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know if anyone else has done it. I'm sure there are others. They're obviously just a, a popular presence online. Well, and there online. was just a pastor who was arrested in Tampa Bay, and he was fined how much? I think I think his bail was set up. His bail at, was 500 bucks. Right. And then he was sent home. And I think they're still going to continue to meet. I think he's like, keep arresting me at this point. We'll see what happens. Yeah. And that's what we need to do is we need we need to make the civil magistrate like pony up and prove prove their actions right like what are what are you doing why are you doing this well and i think it was louisiana ohio pennsylvania new york i think even florida they were setting prisoners like level three sex offenders out of prison because there's a threat of like you know a covid pandemic in prison which i'm like biblical justice if they belong in there if they're murderers if they're rapists they deserve death anyway, so, you know, God's judgment just <laughs> have it. its way in the prison yeah, exactly. system. Take its course. <laughs> <laughs> but they're letting these people free, Yeah. and then they're putting pastors in their place. Like, this should shock us. Yeah. This is insanity. This this yeah. literally is insanity. Yeah, it's an ungodly exchange. Yeah, it is. But what I was going to say to you earlier when you were talking about how the government is stepping in and mm-hmm. telling us what to do. It's a false gospel. And this is another theological point is that we've just messed up the gospel. I know the rebels just did like this whole series on the gospel, which is yeah. great. But it's because the American church has messed up the gospel. So they've just demolished it. Right. We don't even, the word gospel means hardly anything to the average right. American Christian anymore. It's like asking someone, are you saved? I mean, well, it's a marketing term at this point. Like it literally means nothing. And that's yeah. like the to our shame, right? But the the false gospel is this. When a country is fearing for their life, when they fear death because they have no God, they're looking for a savior. The government comes in and says, I can save you. Obey me. Yeah. And so they will, the, the average American will hand over their liberties so that they can be saved from death. And that is the false gospel. Mm-hmm. The government cannot save you from death. Right. Only Jesus can do that. Yeah. He's the only true Messiah. And, you know, Sandra and I were talking earlier in the week, and she was even talking about the verse in James where it's like, if any of you are sick, have the elders lay hands on you. Have them, oh, anoint, have them how anoint can they do you with that oil. Right now? Like, I, I literally, I don't understand what we're doing here. Right. And so because we've sold an individualistic Christianity, that's why we're not meeting because mm-hmm. nobody... Because nobody cared. It, the worship was irrelevant. I also think that... Um, we... Doctors have become God. Can we just say this? Yeah. I love all of you nurses, doctors, whatever. I just got a letter in the mail asking me to like 
do a survey about right. nursing stuff. Yeah, like, I mean, but never in how, how long we've we been married, 11 years, have I ever received anything in the mail pertaining to this? And now all of a sudden, they're needing doctors and nurses and they're willing to um, waive licensing fees. They're willing to reinstate licenses that have expired and lapsed. They're willing to fly you from different states if you're willing to come work for certain hospitals. And it's because, once again, when a population is so afraid of death, if there is any chance, we fly those people in. We need gods. We need gods to save us right. from death. Yeah. And I love doctors and nurses. Like, I mm-hmm. I went to school to be a nurse. Like, this is something that I actually think is a great thing and, and can be used as a gospel representation. Like, right. laying down your life for your friend. This is can be rightly used to portray the gospel. But... Portray the gospel. It is not the gospel. Right. But... They shouldn't be seen as messiahs. They should be seen as a picture of the messiah. Exactly. And that's where we're seeing a distorted image already starting to arise. Right. Science is not God. Doctors are not God. Government is not God. Okay. So we're talking about church being canceled and that being way too easy for the American church to do. And the American church praising you know the live stream efforts and well we're just going to go online and we're just going to do this virtual we're going to do this digital and it seemed like everyone was pretty happy about it at first and then now we're starting to see some uh harsh repercussions for those who are like yeah well we'd we'd still really like to meet and maybe all of those pastors were still using wisdom even i think it's because we were told two weeks to flatten the curb and now those two weeks are turning into eight yeah right and so turns out when the government wants an inch they take a mile yeah exactly so here's here's the problem is that i I think partially there's probably a myriad of reasons but partially why this is happening to the church is because we have neglected the practice of weekly communion preach it man you can't do that through zoom i mean there are people who are taking trayvon martin communions right now did you see that i did and that's absolute blasphemy but you cannot because here's the thing jesus broke bread and he gave it to his disciples when your pastor either literally breaks bread or at least he has a plate of bread and then he gives it to you as a representative of Jesus, and he preaches to you. He tells you what the bread and the wine is and what it means, and Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is present with you, and you are ministered, and this is a special meal that only happens in a Christian gathering. Yeah. Nobody else does this. This is a Christian thing, and... We have ignored it, and partly why we have ignored it is because church has become a gathering for the unbeliever. Mm, seeker sensitive. We've made the whole church service on Sunday morning about the unbeliever, the guy who just trickles in and is the skeptic and so is So it's searching. evangelistic. So it's evangelistic. Mm-hmm. And who comes to the Lord's table? Believers. Believers do. And their children. <laughs> their children amen and well if the church service is now no longer for believers and their children all who are baptized we don't really need to have the lord's table yeah we'll do that quarterly on a sunday night or we'll do that on a quarterly or monthly and it'll just kind of be added to because 
I, I feel like maybe somewhere in the back of my mind I am supposed to do this thing. But it's not a priority. It's not. You want to know why? Because the average Protestant is too Catholic. And this is coming from someone who believes in paedo communion. But Catholics no, hold on. take communion all the time. So whatever would you mean? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's very papist to say God has given this, given us these ordinances. But I, the Pope, I, the pastor, get to determine when it is good and right for you to partake in them. Meaning... If I, the pastor, well, yep, right. deem yep. it appropriate for you to only have these elements quarterly, then mm -hmm. that is right and good. It is because he is assuming it is his table to welcome and bid as he wish. It is not the pastor's table. It is the Lord's table, and he is merely an administrator of it. And so my point with breaking bread and handing it to you, your pastor can't do that through Zoom. He can't do that through Facebook Live or YouTube Live. Or any of the other wonderful digital media that we have at our disposal nowadays. He can't do that. But because we have ditched that part of it, God, I believe... Because he's a papist already. Right. But I believe that God goes, okay, you want to you want to ditch the one thing that would actually require the civil magistrate to say, oh, dang, they actually kind of have to meet because there's this portion in their service that you can't do any other way exactly if i tell them to not meet it's gonna be a really big deal mm -hmm. and it's kind of surprising and actually shows you the weakness in the cat in the roman catholic church right now that they canceled masses mm -hmm. so there's there's that whole mess that we don't even need to talk about but the protestants should have an even greater understanding right of the lord's supper and that's they understand what I'm... the atonement better exactly and that's what i'm saying is they are actually more papist because what they're what they're doing is they're distorting the gospel right right and so so again we we see that we've removed this one element that would require a gathering and so when de Blasio comes in and goes, hey, don't meet, we can't even come back and say, no, we have to. He'd go, why? Yeah. Literally everything you do could be done online. Your liturgy might be wrong if you can do everything online besides shake someone's hand. If that's right. the only thing that you can't do is like actually be physically present with someone, right. yeah. then your liturgy is off. You know, this is another... <laughs> this, <laughs> this is actually probably another... We're so ranty. I know we are. Um, this might be another good uh, support <laughs> for having a full order of worship every Sunday. Every Sunday, a full liturgical order of worship. Because What do you mean by that? So I mean from start to finish, call to worship, and then every element of your worship service. And then in there, you have communion in your bulletin mm -hmm. showing where that's at. Because if Mayor de Blasio comes and says, hey, you guys can't meet, there's, you know, whatever XYZ is going on. And you say, no, we have to meet. Look at what we do. Yeah, here's my church bulletin. Here's our bulletin. bulletin. Look at what we do. Here's our order of worship. Every week, right? And it could even be in your church bylaws. We weekly take bread and wine and we have communion and commemorate the death of our Savior. And right. we are commanded to do this here until he comes. Well, and I think this is... I'm agreeing with you. And I think also not even yeah. just for the civil magistrates, but for the churchgoer who is sitting here thinking like, well, what am I missing out on? I can do all this online. 
And then they open up last week's or three weeks ago or however long it's been now, uh, church bulletin, their order of worship, and be like, oh, actually, I can't do this. Actually, I can't do that. Actually, this is something very unique to the church service. So it's an encouragement for the church congregant as well as like protection against the magistrate i think you're right i think pastors Get on that. this is coming from you know just some woman sitting on her bed because really her closet's falling apart super smart so take woman, this for what no. it's worth i think a lot of pastors good godly reform pastors should like pause and yes be in prayer but also think what needs to change in my church i'm not meeting like my church isn't meeting so what needs to change? Mm-hmm. Because clearly there's something that God is trying to teach me. Clearly there's something that needs to change. Yeah, the megaphone is for everyone, not just the de Blasios. And we've even done this with our children. Like we were uh, explaining to them that this is judgment on mm-hmm. the nation, on the church, and on us individually and our family. We need to repent of some things. And we were even telling our kids, like, the Bible says that when children obey their parents, it goes well with them in the land. So when things aren't going well in the land, it's time for children to say, I need to (laughs) repent and obey my parents better. And this is true for us too, right? Mm -hmm. But everyone needs to take some responsibility here and repent. Yeah, and we see in uh, Daniel and in Ezra that some of the most godly of men are the ones confessing their sins and the sins of their nation and mm-hmm. and their people. Right. It's well, not... and we see that with Moses, too, when um, he is being yeah. the intermediate between God and the Israelites. He says, like, blot out my name. Yeah. In Ezra 9, he says, Oh, my God, I am ashamed and blush to lift my face to you, my God, for our iniquities have risen higher than our heads and our guilt has mounted up to the heavens. And then he goes on. But I just, man, the, the language is so awesome. But this is covenantal, right? Like this is where we were talking right. about. Right, we're a body. The different theological aspects. We talked about two, two kingdom theology, false gospels, covenant theology. And this is covenant theology. This is being plugged into a corporate church. Like when one person in the church confesses, we confess for the entire church. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't dismiss personal responsibility or individual responsibility. Right. Certainly not. It's not one or the other. But even so, like we are not the ones committing abortions. I hope we're not the ones committing abortions in the church, but we still are responsible in the aspect of we are letting this happen in our nation and mm-hmm. Far too many of us have never marched our butt out to protest against it. Mm-hmm. Far too many of us. Yeah, exactly. So, so we need to repent. Yeah, that that's really what what Erica and I are encouraging everyone, pointing out all this different stuff is like, we need to wake up. We need to, we need be, to get woke, y'all. That's right. In a biblical sense and and pray and confess personal sins. I, I am going to get super sick and tired of hearing little clips on social media of people saying like in these troubled times we need to just call upon the lord please please everyone call upon the lord that literally means almost nothing yeah we need to call out sin by name so the homosexuality that's praised in our culture the abortion that eric has already talked about female and leadership in churches Mm -hmm. and the you know uh ungodly justice that's trying to be uh held up high in our country and on and on we can go these are things that we need to call by name that are name specific in our churches Mm -hmm. let alone in the culture but in our churches not just this vague 
let's call upon the name of the Lord. God's going to get sick and tired of that. Read Isaiah 1. He gets tired of that. He doesn't well, want where, lip service. This is where uh, the federal vision comes in a little bit. And we're like, hey, so now there needs to be some obedience, right? Yeah. Like you called upon the name of the Lord. So then now obey him. Yeah. Like now you do the thing that you bear, asked him. Bear fruits worthy of repentance. <laughs> yeah. Like, so call him the name of the Lord. Yes, absolutely. But then when he gives you his answer in his word, obey it. Yeah, get to it. So, all right. And hold on, one okay, last thing. You got it. <laughs> because we we're talking about theology and how theology does impact everything. And uh-huh. We just list- listed off those different uh, doctrines that we were talking about. But there's one last one. We would be remiss if we did not talk about being post mill. You're right. We got to mention being post mill. I know we got kind of angsty and we get real fired up about this. And it's mostly because we have no one to talk to about it because we're in self isolation. <laughs> but. <laughs> So you guys get the get the brunt of That's all why of we're it. talking so fast. <laughs> I talk fast all the time. I'm sorry. But we have not lost hope, yeah. right? We know that God is God knew this was coming and we know God's using it for his glorious purposes. He's always done that. Yep. God has always used tragedy, calamity to to build his kingdom, to expand the gospel in the world and so like we're, we're hopeful it's sad and you minister to those who are affected and at the same time in the back of your head you know on a big macro 30,000 foot level that God is working his glorious purposes to the end that his glory will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea mm-hmm. right as Isaiah says yeah we know that if you are facing financial trouble if you are uh, in dire health situations right now, yeah. if things are real bad, God is still sovereign. He's still on the throne. He's going to use this for your good and for the growth of his kingdom. So that's encouraging. That ought to be encouraging. That doesn't mean we don't continue to war against Satan, sin, and death. That doesn't mean we don't continue to war against the enemies of God. But ultimately, they are defeated. And we need to remember that, too. Right. We need to not be so discouraged and disheartened thinking that the battle really does belong to us. Yeah. And I know it's easy to acknowledge God's sovereignty when things are going well. But at the same time, when things are going really bad, where else would I want to turn to but to God's sovereignty, mm-hmm. right? Right. And so we know God's in control both times. Yeah. And so we can in both rest. Situations. We can rest in that, and we can have peace. And the world is going to hate that you have peace. Right now, they hate that anyone is calm. Right now, <laughs> they, or they so. they'll call you like a denier. They'll call science you, denier. I mean, we've gotten called all kinds of things, and ultimately, it's not that I don't think people are going to die. I know people are going to die. Yeah, or that you're breaking the sixth commandment. You are as bad as a murderer because you don't want to commit. You don't want to protect life. That's my favorite. But yet you go out during flu season all the time. All like right. your snotty nose kids go into Sunday school right. every other week, and you don't care about your children Next infecting time. everyone else when they have pink eye. Next time, <laughs> your snotty nose kids come to church, I'm gonna call you a murderer. Like every mom during cold and flu season knows that no one cares about the sixth commandment. <laughs> All right. Isn't that a wonderful note to end on? (laughs) That's good. Oh, Uh, gosh. We're praying for all of you. If you need anything, we probably can't offer you anything, but reach out to us. Yeah. Hey, we're all in isolation, right? Quarantine, lockdown, (laughs) shelter in place orders. Hit us up and uh, we would love to hear from you guys. But we hope that you're healthy. 
We hope that you stay healthy. Even if you're not healthy, be a bold witness. Like above all, make yeah. your life count for something. Right. Glorify God in all that you say and do. And again, we thank you for listening. We hope this was helpful and edifying. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gain, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart. From original sin, the effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a Dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3.